0: Might a catastrophic cosmic impact occur in the next seven days? I certainly hope not, but if deep impact in real life were to happen in our lifetimes, I'd bet on the next seven days. I'll explain why here. So, in this video, I'm going to switch things up a bit and i'm going to draw connections in between astronomy, history, philosophy and mindset and you can find on limitlessmindset.com link below this video, everything that I'm referencing here. So, every year between September 10th and November 20th, the Earth crosses the northern torrid meteor stream in space. During this time, astronomers sleep fitfully As all 7 billion of us are metaphorically dashing blindfolded across a four-lane highway. Usually the torrid crossing is uneventful and merely a good time to have a nocturnal picnic and enjoy the meteor show. But space is not a friendly place out there, hurtling through the frigid void at tremendous velocities, are thousands of planet or civilization killers, and we are most likely to encounter one during the Torrid Crossing. So, if nothing cosmically newsworthy happens in the next seven days, you should breathe a sigh of existential relief and maybe share a, a bottle of champagne with friends and family to uh, celebrate the ongoing survival. I learned about the existential torrid threat from Graham Hancock, who wrote America Before and Magicians of the Gods. A will quote from his book the torrid meteor stream remnant of a giant comet 100 kilometers plus in diameter before undergoing fragmentation the stream includes three known comets or comet-like objects namely Enki, Olijato, and Rudniki and 19 of the brightest near-earth objects. More bad news. Not only do you have to go into September with glances of skyward trepidation, we also cross the southern torrid meteor stream between June 5th and July 19th. And like Neo in The Matrix, who still got shot once even though he was pretty good at dodging bullets, catastrophic collisions occur between have occurred between the Earth and the Torrid Stream objects even in recent history. I'll quote from the book again. On most of these biennial encounters with the Torids, we just get the pretty fireworks, but occasionally we get more. On June 30th, 1908, for example, an object thought to have fallen out of the torrid meteor stream and estimated to be somewhere between 60 and 190 meters in diameter penetrated Earth's atmosphere. It exploded in the air, fortunately above an uninhabited region of Siberia, flattening 80 million trees across an area of 2,000 square kilometers. Professor Napier and his colleague Victor Klub, formerly Dean of the Astrophysics Department at Oxford University, go so far as to describe the unique complex of debris within the torrid stream as the greatest collision hazard facing the Earth at the present time. And it gets eerier. Hancock's books make a compelling case with an abundance of evidence that just such an encounter with the torrid meteor stream took out the relatively advanced... Civilization existing about 12,000 years ago that Plato called Atlantis. An extraordinary claim. I know. You'll want to check out the podcast review that I did of America before. Just to get a snapshot of the evidence for this. Spoiler alert. The conclusion reached in... Hancock's other book, Magicians of the Gods, is that our civilization is in grave danger of being destroyed by the same comet or the same comet field or asteroids that destroyed Atlantis. We live in an astronomically notable time where, from our perspective, the Milky Way galaxy has two gates on either side. And our summer solstice points at the nuclear bulge in the center of the galaxy. And the really eerie, odd, Thing is, that the megaliths, the art on the megaliths there in Gebekli Tepe, Turkey, they seem to be pointing at our time, specifically the years 1960 through 2040. I'll quote from the book again. It is therefore strange and somewhat. Eerie, to find the solar and astronomical coordinates of the exact same 80-year window between 1960 and 2040 prophesized by the Maya to mark a turning point in human history carved in high relief on a 12,000-year-old pillar in Gebekli Tepe, in far-off Turkey. He goes on, some suspect that the return of the phoenix will take place in our time, indeed by or before the year 2040. And there is a danger that one of the objects in its debris stream may be as much as 30 kilometers That's over 18 miles in diameter. A collision with such a large cometary fragment would, at the very least, mean the end of civilization as we know it. And perhaps even the end of all human life on this planet. So, you can see how I arrive at my speculation about the next seven days. We're living in astronomically interesting times, and in this year, it really feels like our civilization is facing some sort of judgment for its folly and deserving of Bad times that will hopefully breed stronger men. So I really would not be that surprised if this is the year that our astronomical, astronomical in proportion, human hubris got a much deserved lesson from the cosmos. If we get past the year... 2040, I think with with nothing happening, I think that we can finally regard things like the Mayan 2012 prophecy and Gobekli Tepe's 12,000-year-old message. We can finally regard things like this as superstitious flights of fantasy from long-dead civilizations that just didn't have the right stuff to cut it in this entropic universe. Perhaps you're saying, Jonathan, you've really jumped the shark. Now, making date-specific apocalyptic predictions? I should clarify, I'm not making apocalyptic predictions. Somebody smart said something like, I expect the apocalypse will be long and boring, and I think I'm mostly on board with that. But if deep impact in real life were to happen in our lifetimes, I'd bet on the next seven days or the next 20 years, give or take. Also, the likelihood of a planet killer coming along in your lifetime is quite low. But what's a lot more likely is something like the Tunguska event that occurred in Siberia a hundred years ago. And if that happened now, it would be an incredible and unprecedented shock to the system. The doomsday preppers who invested their money while everybody was making fun of them in long-term food supplies, precious metals, or even cryptocurrency, those people would be doing a lot better than those of us who always just had to have the shiniest, fastest, brand new smartphone. You might say, if deep impact in real life was going to happen, the government would warn us. And I'd respond, why would the government do that? Isn't it more likely that in the event of an impending catastrophe, The government would take seemingly nonsensical measures to ensure its own grasp on power. It would do things like constricting freedoms instead of making a big announcement that would freak out billions of people. And what have governments across the globe been doing in response to An invisible threat that's killed relatively few people. My ultimate message here is memento mori. I'll tell you what that means. And I hope that you appreciate that I refrained from sharing the torrid meteor stream crossing thing with you back in September and am only holding you in suspense for seven days. And you might in response have this thought. You might say, why would I even worry about this sort of thing? It's not like there's anything I can do about a cosmic impact. For the next few days, I'll suggest that you take A little time to meditate on your death. Memento mori. It means remember death in Latin. Contemplating the inevitable really puts things into perspective. All those things we stress and fret about retreat into the shadows, when we look down the long tunnel of time that leads to a box in the ground. If you're spiritual or religious, death is an exciting and suspenseful end of a chapter, but more importantly, a reason to be a decent human being. Whatever immorality you got away with In this life, you'll face judgment and consequences for in the next. As a theologically adroit Christian, I believe in God's forgiveness. But I also believe that I'll have to answer for the wrong I've done. If you're an atheist, you probably prefer not to deeply contemplate Death, because few of us possess the fortitude to countenance the utter and complete deletion of ourselves. If you're a transhumanist, you've got to be naively hopeful to believe that science can ultimately rescue you from death. When was the last time that science, with its billions and billions of dollars in funding, even cured a common disease? This great leap into the unknown is inevitable for all of us. Memento mori. I think of Arminius who was portrayed in the excellent recent Netflix historical drama series Barbarians. Facing the enslavement and eventual annihilation of his people and culture by Rome, he unified the proto-German barbarian tribes of Europe to rebel against the most powerful military empire on earth. He gave up a life of relative comfort as a Roman officer and chose the one death on his feet instead of the thousand deaths on his knees. But unlike in Arminius' time, our rulers don't enslave us with shackles now they enslave us with comfort. Now, in our time, you don't fight tyranny, oppression, and injustice with swords, pikes, and guns. You fight for freedom by resisting the siren song of comfort. The junk food, the junk entertainment, The junk people, the junk politics, the porn, the time-wasting online dating apps, the credit card debt-fueled consumerism, the booze, the marijuana. In every domain of life, you fight back by resisting comfort. So I'll suggest that you future cast yourself to your last days. Hopefully that's decades and decades off. Looking back on your life, will you say to yourself, oh boy, I wish I had watched more TV or played more video games. I wish I had spent more time on social media. I wish I had gone to more casual dining restaurants, or I wish I had Worked more hours so I could always afford that cool new smartphone or television. Of course not. Of course you won't be saying that in your last days, looking back on your life. You'll say something more like, I wish I would have been braver and pushed myself a little further outside my comfort zone. I wish I had gone skydiving. I wish I would have spent more time stopping and smelling the roses. I wish I would have worried less about the silly things. I wish I had made up with that family member I was estranged from all those years. I wish I would have meditated at the beach more at sunrise. I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have fought just a little harder for a better world for my children and grandchildren. As a final call to action, unless some sort of nonsensical COVID restrictions would prevent you from doing so, I'd suggest that this week you take 30 or 40 minutes to go Meditate in a graveyard, but don't sit in the grass unless you want bugs to crawl up your delectable legs. And here's why. Memento Mori becomes a whole lot more tangible in this setting, and you'll leave with a renewed sense of purpose and clarity. This might be a a group activity, a thing to do with friends, family, loved ones, if they're up to it. I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset. I hope you found this message inspirational. I hope that perhaps if it's not too cold where you are, maybe you can do a little bit of a sky gazing in the evenings. I did this once with my wife. We went to a park and just laid out a blanket and uh, had some beverages and enjoyed the show that the heavens put on around this time of year. Let me know if you do that. I look forward to a continued conversation with you.